prophecies had said a Messiah was come, and here they are being told he's here. You get to come and see. There will be a sign of what you will see. You will see a baby wrapped up in swaddling cloths in a manger. They're probably thinking, uh, um, a manger that we put food in for animals? Like, you really think that there's a couple out there that's going to take a newborn baby and put it in a dirty manger? But that would be their sign, and that's what they found. So it was wonderful. Well, our sermon today is about Jesus. He is enough. You can see him there all wrapped up in, in that manger. And, you know, sometimes we don't, we don't think Jesus is enough, right? Satan kind of tries to convince us that, that certain things will make us happy, right? If I lose 10 more pounds then I'll be happy, right? And until then, eh, I'm not really happy, right? Have you ever thought that? Maybe it wasn't 10 pounds, right? Maybe it was 20 pounds. Maybe it was 5 pounds, right? What about if I get, right, those new earrings for my birthday, then I'll be happy, right? If I get this different car, then I'll be happy. If I get that job, then I'll be happy, right? If my spouse stopped acting this way, then I would be happy. If my kids got better grades, then I would be happy, right? If they just didn't sass mama, then I would be happy, right? I don't want my coworker to be doing this or that. It would be enough if they would just stop being so annoying, Right? What about if my boss would appreciate me? I, I know I have a few coworkers that probably think that. If my boss would really appreciate, if she really knew, Marlene's walking away. She's not even listening to me. She's like, whatever, Mary, right? If my boss really appreciated me, then I would be happy. That would be enough, right? Have you ever, like, seriously, what is that enough? What, is Jesus enough? No, no, I need the dog to stop going potty in the house. That'd be enough, right? I need something. I need, need, need. See, I think Satan will tempt us to never be satisfied. It was interesting. I'm like, you know, Christians in America, we've got this beautiful place. We've got heat. We've got cushy chairs. And um, let's see, what do Christians in other countries look like? What do we have here, Jesse? Okay, so this is India. This is Christians meeting in someone's house in India. Did you know that they're a minority there? So that's in India. Yeah, they are trying to gather. Um, I, I, don't, I don't think I've ever asked anybody to sit down on the floor. Maybe, maybe at my house if I have a lot of people there. I'll try to identify the most limber of the adults. But other than maybe occasionally, we don't usually have to sit on the floor, do we? But yeah, in India, they still meet. That's enough. A place on the floor is enough. What's the next country we have here? Um, Let's see. I think this was in Africa. I'm not sure. But this is another church. This is a church service. See, there's Christians meeting in different places all over the world while we're meeting here. Let's see where else do we have. Here we have another place. This was Venezuela. If you're not familiar with Venezuela, they had a lot of unrest and um, the government actually went looking for Christians 
And those were those, these were the Christians who survived. So they all gathered in somebody's house to be able to meet, to have their church service that week. These, this was Venezuela, okay? Other countries do we have? This was China. So China, they obviously meet in people's homes because if the government finds out they're meeting, they will tear down the buildings and tear down the homes so they're in hiding in China and communist China there. So I just wanted us to kind of look at some of the different ways that Christians around the world meet um, on their Sabbath days and ask, ask ourselves, why is it that we're just never quite satisfied? You know, we can, when we compare our situations to other people and to their homes even or to their situations, we, you know, we can, oh, I feel bad. Why can't I be satisfied? But the reality is we just need to talk about it, right? We need to be honest with ourselves to say Jesus really is enough. And the reality is that um, our situation is much different than other places. But what it is is it's Satan's tempting us. He's whispering in our ears. Just, you know, I, I love how Jesus came and he lived this life to be an example for us. And during his 40 days of fasting, Satan was whispering in his ears and was tempting him. So when Jesus taught us how to pray, he said, right, when you pray, it's a daily prayer, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us and deliver us from evil right why did we have to pray every day to deliver us from evil because evil is going to come and tempt us but see evil isn't isn't having the government come and beat us up like what they have in venezuela evil isn't having the government want to come and tear down our church buildings like in china so how does the evil tempt us here in America to be dissatisfied, to, to never have enough? I just, I don't have enough peace and quiet. I don't have enough money. I don't have enough what I want, right? So in America, unfortunately, because we are so well off and we have enough comforts and enough freedoms, our dissatisfaction is much different. Our temptations in life are much different than what they're experiencing in India and what they're experiencing in South America or in Africa or in, or in China. So it's just interesting how they have all these different things. See, we end up praying for physical comforts, yet we have it well beyond what other people have. Um, and we're still not satisfied. I, I think that they say, oh, it's human nature, Mary, right? You always got to find something wrong with it. Like everything can be perfect, right? Like you could have this event and everything's perfect. And you're still going to sit back and say, yeah, but this, right? That's that critical spirit, right? We want things to be done perfect rather than say that was amazing. That was the best that we could do in that moment, right? Because we aren't always satisfied. I, I looked it up. There's about a billion people on the earth, and um, that's about 20% of people in the planet today live on less than a dollar a day. 
So about 70% of the world's population lives on less than $10 a day. They live on about $5.50 a day. And, you know, we think about here in America, I mean, the average person, even if you're getting um, assistance, like with a bridge card, I mean, you're getting anywhere from two to $900 that you can live on in one month to go to the store and buy groceries. And so we just cannot comprehend what somebody in India is doing to struggle to get through that day. It's just, it's hard to comprehend, it just is. Not to make us feel bad about our fortune, being fortunate that we live in America, but I do think that we need to reflect on this, especially before Christmas, because I think a lot of times, like around Christmas time, we think, if I just got this, then I would be happy, right? If I just had this, then it'd be enough. If I just had one more thing, and really it's not things we need. We really need to know that we have enough because we have Jesus. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, starting in verse 9, 9 and 10, it says, Oh, is this, wait a minute, am I in the right place? 1 Corinthians 12, 9 and 10, it says, um, that is not my verse. I'm sorry. It's talking about, yes, it's talking about uh, faith and the same spirit and another, all the different gifts that we have, but that's not the verse I was looking for. Um, so let's skip over to Philippians chapter 4. I can't even think of a way to negotiate that into here, so we'll just skip it. I'm like, that has nothing to do with what we're talking about here. Philippians chapter 4, verse 19 says, And my God will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. So how do the Christians in Africa who are struggling have peace and have joy? Because they know that Christ is going to meet all of their needs through his riches and through his glory. And that doesn't change depending on what country you live on live in, that, that is the same here as it is there. So how can we know that we have enough? We have to shift our focus off of things and then shift it onto this relationship with Jesus. How do I make it so that he will meet all those needs? I mean, it's promised, right? It says this in Philippians chapter 4, verse 19. It says, and get my God will meet all of your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. So what Christ Jesus did on the cross is enough to meet all your needs. Now, we've talked about this before. We, on average, think, well, he went to the cross to forgive me of my sins, so I'm saved, I'll go to heaven when I die, but I'm going to live hell on earth while I'm here. I'm going to struggle, right? Most of us think that. We forget, right, John 10, 10, that it's the thief that came to kill, steal, and destroy. But Jesus came to give us life and life to the full. We forget, right, that the prophecy wasn't that just he would bring us salvation. The prophecy was that he would bring us physical healing and that he would bring us peace, which is for our soul, and then salvation for our spirit, which is that connection with God. So why did he come? 
you know, here we are preparing our hearts for the fact that he came. And all we do is envision this little baby. But he came to die on the cross for our sins. He came to be beaten so that way by his blood, by his stripes, we are healed. He came so he said, I can release the Holy Spirit so I can ask God's presence to fill me up. So when I am struggling with these thoughts, because that's how it always starts, isn't it? I love how Joyce Myers always says it's a battlefield of the mind. That is America's problem, is our mind, right? In Venezuela, it's a battlefield of physical people assaulting them, right? And same thing in China and India and some of these places. But here, we have this religious freedom, so we don't have physical fights. We don't have a battlefield in our backyard, but we have a battle in our mind of, is, is Jesus enough? Or is another $500 a month going to be enough? Right? Or is this item or the next meal or some more chocolate or this better job? What is it that we think is going to be enough? And so what we learn is that this battlefield in our mind only changes when we take what God gave us and we apply it to ourselves. And we change the way we think about things. But the question is, how? (laughs) Right? It's like, I can get up here and I can tell you that you're probably like me and something's not enough. There's just something in your life that's not enough. Right? But how do I shift and get my mind off of my lack and appreciate what I have? Well, I'm going to do this one analogy. And I want us to really think about this. Think about your car. What does your car need on a regular basis? My car needs gas. Your car might need oil as well, right? And that's fine. My son's car needs oil. Like he has to put gas in on a regular basis and check his oil once a week, right? Because cars need oil and gas. And depending on the age, it might leak some oil. So, but what is that? It's fuel, it's energy, it's lubrication, it's all these different things to make it run well. We don't think anything of the fact that our gas tank is empty after a week, do we? I am never shocked. Can you believe I need to get gas again? Do you know how expensive this gas is? I mean, we do say that, right? How expensive this gas is? But guess what I do? I still drive to the gas station and I fill it up. Why? Because I know what happened. I used that gas And now it's empty and I have to go get more. Is anybody ever shocked when their stomach is hungry? Is anybody ever surprised? I I can't believe I'm hungry today. I ate three times yesterday. You think that'd hold me over for a week? Seriously, can you believe I had to eat again? Okay, now obviously I'm being silly, right? What What is my point? Anything that moves here on earth needs fuel to make that motion go. So your spirit and your soul needs fuel to make that motion go, right? And that's part of the reason why you come here on Sundays. I've had people tell me, if I don't come to church after a few weeks, I really feel depressed, or I really feel sad, or I really, right? You have all these different issues. And so you come in here to fuel your spirit, to take those moments to just like 
that, that last song, I'm just like, oh, this is just like a special. Like, I just want to listen to the words. I just want to be reminded of his glory, right? That's fueling my spirit. But what happens is our battlefield of the mind, it needs to be fueled every single day. And when we don't fuel our mind every single day, it's just like if we don't fuel our stomach every single day. It begins to have an effect on us, right? And that's where that battlefield of our mind begins. So we, just like we must put gas in that car and we must work to purchase that gas, right? Our bodies, right, need fuel, food constantly. Our spirits need God constantly, and when we don't feed our body, we have hunger pains. And if you don't feed your body after too long, you physically get weak and you cannot, you cannot you know, run as fast. You can't think as clear. And it's the same thing with our spirits and our souls. Our souls need relationship. We need to be able to talk to somebody. Haven't you ever just after a few days, you're just like, I just got to like talk to somebody. I just need to hear somebody. I just need to listen to me. I just, right? And if we don't, all of a sudden that loneliness kind of creeps in. And then we have a bad attitude, don't we? So we need to fuel ourselves. And that's the only way that we really truly get the Jesus in us. And then that can be enough despite what's going on around us. I love some of the different verses in the Bible. It talks about in the midst of the storm, you can be at peace. How in the world, in the middle of the, all this huge storm, can I be at peace? Because I know that God is with me. Well, if I haven't been talking to God lately and I haven't asked him to help me and I have no confidence in him, how would I know that? There's this, this great parable Jesus explained. It's in the back of uh, Matthew, Matthew chapter 25. Some of you have probably heard it. You probably didn't understand it. That's okay. There's a lot of things we read in the Bible. Maybe we don't quite understand the culture or what's going on, and, but that's why we take the time to read it in a, in a setting like this, to have some understanding. So it's a parable of the ten virgins. Okay, So they call them ten virgins. I'm going to tell you what they were culturally. Okay, They were the bridesmaids. Has anybody ever been to a wedding and you got all the girls in their cute little dresses with the bride and they spent the whole week helping getting her ready and fixing her hair and they're the ones running to Walmart the night before to get her tape to keep her boobs in place? I mean, seriously, right? It's the girls that help the bride make sure she's all ready. You guys can all handle that. That's the reality, right? Okay, so they say ten virgins that's what they were to be one of the helpers. You wouldn't have, have a husband and kids at home because that culture, you would need to be there. So these would be ten young girls that would be the bridesmaids for the, for the bride. Okay, And so what would happen is they, the night of the actual party, they just spent all the time, they got the bride ready, and she's at her parents' house, they're at another place, and they're waiting. And when the groom comes through, he'll stop and get the girls, and then they'll go get the bride. Okay? And then they're going to go have their wedding party. So it says, at that time, the kingdom of heaven will be like ten virgins, or ten bridesmaids, who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish, and five were wise. The foolish ones took their lamps, but did not take any oil with them. The wise ones, however, took oil in jars along with their lamps. 
The bridegroom was a long time in coming, and they all became drowsy and fell asleep. At midnight, the cry rang out, Here's the bridegroom, come out to meet him. Then all the virgins woke up and trimmed their lamps. The foolish ones said to the wise, Give us some of your oil, our lamps are going out. No, they replied, there may not be enough for both of us and you. So instead, go to those who sell oil and buy some for yourselves. But while they were on their way to buy the oil, the bridegroom arrived. The virgins who were ready went in with him in the wedding banquet, and the door was shut. Later, the others also came. Lord, Lord, they said, open the door for us. But he replied, truly, I tell you, I don't know you. Therefore, keep watch, because you do not know the day or the hour. So now, this seems really mean, doesn't it? I mean, let's just be real, right? Like, if you and I are getting ready to go to a party, and I brought a flashlight, and you didn't, and it got dark by 5, because it gets so dark so early, and we're out camping somewhere, and you need to go to use the porta potty I'm going to loan you my flashlight so you don't trip along the way, right? Like, it's, it's hard. It's, it's incomprehensible for us that five of our little girlfriends that we're all going to go have a party with would be told, you should have had your own oil. And, and if this was just a party story, that would be true. But this is not a story about the party. It's symbolic. And this is a story about life. And in life, I can fill up my reserves with God's word. And I can fill up my reserves with God's peace. And I can fill up my reserves with God's faith. And know beyond a shadow of a doubt that if you walked up to me and you took a gun and you blew my shoulder off, that I was going to be okay. Because the God I serve is going to let there be a miracle in my life. But I can't take that faith that I've built up. And I can't take that joy that I've built up. And I can't take that peace that I've built up and give it to you because your reserves are low. I really wish I could. But I can't. Because, see, the five that had the extra oil with them had to have done something before the party happened. They had to do something before the tragedy happened. They had to do something before it got dark. And building up your reserves or, you know, doing the hard work to have the money to be able to purchase the oil, that takes pre-planning. That takes some work before the darkness sets in. And so Jesus is telling this symbolic story, and he is saying, Be wise. Because darkness is coming in life. And I love how they use it at the midnight came. Guess what? Midnight comes every day, doesn't it? Every day it gets dark. Every day Satan is going to try to tempt you. That's why the Our Father prayer is lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Why? Because he comes every single day. And how do you light the path? How do you know that Jesus can be enough? Is because you filled up your reserve tank before the darkness came. So what happens is, is darkness comes, and if you weren't wise because you didn't realize and you didn't take the time and you didn't fill up your tank, all of a sudden you're stumbling around in the dark and you're waiting for the day to come back the next morning, aren't you? And we typically survive it. We don't like it. Haven't you ever gone through stumbling darkness and you're scared and you're afraid? And all of a sudden the light comes and you're like, oh, 
oh, what a relief. The light finally came. And then you sit there and you sit there in this fear and this anxiety of when the darkness comes again, don't you? Whereas if you could be wise, you could have that oil built up. During the day, you could go and you can get your reserves filled up. So then the next time darkness comes, you can be like, ha, 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 not today, Satan. I don't have nothing to be afraid of. I'm going to light my lamp because I've got some oil. I've got some peace. I've got some faith that no matter what kind of darkness is happening around me, I know that I will be okay. So this is very symbolic of life. And he's saying, look, when you have the oil and midnight comes and it's dark out, you don't just get to walk around with the oil. You get to march yourself into a party. And you get to hang out with me until the daylight comes the next day around. That's even better than just having light. You get to go and you get to be in with Jesus. But see, how many of us in the midst of a storm, in the midst of the dark, I'll talk to people and I'll be like, well, what did God say? Have you been praying about it? I can't even think about God right now, Mary. I can't even pick up my Bible right now, Mary. I can't even pray right now. Why? Because the darkness is so overwhelming that they can't even get to a place where they can go and be in a party with Jesus. And what we want to get to is a place where we have so much oil reserve filled up that in the midst of the darkness, in the midst of the storm, when I say, how are you? You can be like, I'm fine. Because I'm with Jesus. He's here with me. In the midst of the storm, he is with me. I love that. Will you fill up or will you go empty? And blame God. It's easy to blame him. I mean, he's got big shoulders. He still loves us even after we get mad at him about whatever situation we're in. But the reality is there's the devil, right? John 10, 10. The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. Satan is going to try to steal from you. Satan is going to come and try to kill you or destroy you or destroy your relationships or destroy whatever you've got going on in your life. And it's easier for us just to blame God than to admit that maybe I didn't fill up my reserve. You know? I remember, um, I won't say his name, but there was an actor, a Michigan-based actor, that had his boat up in northern Michigan at one of the marinas. And he took his boat out, and he didn't get very far from the marina, and all of a sudden he's just dead in the water. And so a local guy was in his boat, a friend of ours told us, because he was friends with the guy that it happened. And, and he, said, he said, hey, can I help you? And he goes, oh, yeah, yeah, I think the, I think the, uh, the electricity, whatever, something, my motor's broke. And he said, oh, okay, well, let me tow you back to the marina. So he threw out a line, and he told this it's famous actor, if I said his name, you know who he is, back to the marina. And... Uh, as he kind of was slowly leaving, he saw him just have the guy go and put some gas in his boat, and a few minutes later, he went back off into the water. He was too ashamed to say, I didn't have any gas in my boat. I forgot to fill up with gas, so he blamed it on a motor problem. How many times do we do that? I'm too ashamed to say, my gas tank is empty, Pastor Mary. Pray for me. So I can spend some more time in my word and I can get God's word in me. 
no, it's Satan's attacking me today, and, you know, this and that, and it's this situation, and this isn't enough, and this isn't enough, and, right? Which I'm going to pray for you, because maybe that really is it. But I'm going to tell you what, most of the time, we can handle all of that. We just need to be filling ourselves up with the gas, right? Like, I can say to you right now, I'm hungry. When I got up here, I literally thought, like, my stomach kind of churned, and I'm like, oh, I should have eaten breakfast this morning. So many times on Sunday, I get busy, I don't eat breakfast. What I wanted to say was, hey, Marlene, in the counseling room, I've got some little breakfast bars I sneak. It's on the bottom shelf in there. I'm gonna, is it, does anybody mind if I just sit here and eat a breakfast bar, right? But I didn't do that, did I? I thought, no, I can just, you know, I can push through for the next 45 minutes, and then I'll be having lunch, and I'll be fine. But so many times, it's one of those moments where it's like the hunger gets so overwhelming. In 2 Corinthians 9, 8, hopefully this is the right one. Let's see. Let's see. 2 Corinthians 9, verse 8. I wonder if I should have looked at first. Oh, maybe it was second there. You never know. 9, verse 8 says, And God is able to bless you abundantly, so that in all things, at all times, having all you need, you will abound in every good work. He is more than able and he wants to bless you in all things. But if we are oilless, if we have no fuel in us, we won't even think to ask him, will we? We won't even have the faith to know that I can ask him for help in this situation. I can have him give me that peace. I can have him give me that joy in the midst of it. I love this. And God is able. He is able and he is willing. Will you ask for his help? To bless you abundantly. What, you know, what does that mean to bless me? What does that mean? Well, we live here in America. We're blessed. We don't even realize we're blessed, but... We're already blessed, but we can, he can bless us abundantly, even above and beyond where we think we can be. And God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things, at all times, well, he wants to bless me maybe with my kids, but is he really going to bless me at my job? Is he really going to bless me with a better apartment? Is he really going to bless me with my my spouse? Is he really going to bless me in all things, at all times? Well, but I didn't really deserve it. I didn't go to church this last week. Is he really going to bless me this week? In all things, at all times. Well, but I'm already kind of blessed. Isn't it wrong to ask for more? He wants to bless you abundantly in all things, at all times. But are you going to get that oil in you so you know, how do I get this oil in me? Mary, you keep talking about, well, that's a good question. And God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, that's, I love that, having all that you need. Did you know you have all that you need? You will abound in every good work. 
He's giving you a spirit of faith. He's given you a measure of faith. He's given you the spirit of peace. He's given you these things. The question is, will you pull them out of your toolbox and use them? Right? Haven't you ever gone to somebody's house and you're like, what is wrong with your TV? Well, I need to do this and that. And you look back there and you're like, don't you have a screwdriver? And they, oh, yeah, I got a screwdriver. And you just go tweak, 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 and all of a sudden it works. They had all that they needed. They just didn't have the wisdom to actually fix it and to use the tools they had to do it. See, you all are here because you believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God who came down in flesh. We're celebrating his birth, and he went to the cross. Well, he has given you peace. He has given you joy. He has given you healing. He has given you salvation. He wants you to be abundant in these things. He has given you the gift of the Holy Spirit. Literally, all you have to say is, fill me. Fill me. Fill me. He's given you these things. And I think it's called Zephaniah. I'm not really good at the pronunciation here. Chapter 3, verse 17, it says, The Lord your God is with you, the mighty warrior who saves. He will take great delight in you. In his love, he will no longer rebuke you, but will rejoice over you with singing. Why? Because of what Jesus did. You deserve it? No, you probably deserve to be rebuked. You probably screwed up this week. But because of what Jesus did, he's going to sing over you. He's going to bless you. He's going to love you. The question is, is will you tap into that? Will you allow him to do that? Okay. So how do I fill up with his oil, Mary? How do I know that he not only wants to save me, but that he wants to um, heal me? You have to read this. And if you can't read it, or you don't have time to read it, then listen to it. Turn on your phone if you have a phone that has access to the Internet. Get a radio, and I have CD sets of the Bible, and I'll give you a CD player, and I'll give you the CD sets. Um, you know, sit down with this every night. I know people, oh, it takes forever to read a whole chapter. Well, literally, one page is a chapter. And, like, the book of Mark is only 16 pages. You could read one page or have it talk to you. I was, I was doing Luke this month because Luke um, has the, the, the birth story of Jesus in there. So like the first chapter, in, when they read, they read a lot slower than I read. It probably would take me five minutes to read chapter one of Luke, but it was reading to me, and the guy is narrating, and they got the sounds and the people. So it's pretty. It sounds nice. It took nine minutes. Some of y'all sit on the toilet more than nine minutes in the morning. I'm just saying right? Some of us are quicker than others, but some of y'all, while you were sitting there in the morning taking care of business, you could have just, you know, if you have, if you have those apps on your phone, it's a free app that I listen to. It's called version. It's totally free. It's a big church down in the south that does this, so that way everybody has access to the Bible. And you just press the little play button, and while you're sitting there for nine minutes, you just heard the first chapter of Luke. Some chapters are shorter, right? The next chapter might have only been six minutes. And what you're doing is you're feeding on God's word. Your spirit is feeding on it. And don't tell me that words don't have power because they do. 
That's why you come here and you sit and you listen to me. I have people say, Mary, I don't like it when you yell. I know, but you come back. Why? Because the yelling sometimes encourages us, right? And then the stories and this and that. And that's what Jesus did. That's what's recorded about his life. It not only tells you what he did, but it tells you what he said. And you feed on that. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. If all you do for the rest of your life is listen to those four Gospels over and over and over again for the rest of your life, that is all you'll need. That will literally be enough. Some of you have heard the story, but it's true. I want you to hear this. I remember a time in my life when I had gotten away from God's word. I honestly was like, I've read it all. I studied it when I was younger. I took classes, and now I'm just busy. The kids were little. I had four of them all little at home. Claudia was a baby. Wesley was a toddler. I had my daughter, Faith. She was like maybe, I don't know, eight or nine. Matthew was in middle school. And I was busy. I didn't have time to read my word. I know what God's word says. I know who Jesus is. I know who I believe. I know I'm going to heaven when I die. But inside, I was dying. The kids, it was monster mommy. I remember there were evenings when Matthew would go over and wake Todd up in the middle of the night because he was having growing pains and would not wake me up. I remember in the morning saying to him, like, why didn't you wake me up? You know, your dad's got to work tomorrow. And he's like, I'm not waking you up in the middle of the night. Are you kidding me? Like, I want my head still attached to my body the next day. Now, he didn't quite say it that way, but that's what he was saying. Monster mommy was not somebody who woke up in the middle of the night. And it convicted me at one point. I was like, God, what is wrong with me? Why am I so angry all the time? Here I am, privileged enough to be a stay-at-home mom. I've got four beautiful kids. My husband's working hard. Todd would, like, drive really slow to come home. He didn't want to come home at night. He would drive really, really slow. He's like, I didn't know what I was walking into. Were you going to be happy Mary or monster Mary, right? Like, he didn't know what he was coming into. And I remember praying and asking God and saying, Why aren't you enough? Why was Jesus not enough? But he didn't change. He was still the same God that I serve today. I didn't tap into what he wanted to give me. And I remember praying to God and saying, what is wrong? He's like, you're angry. I'm like, I know I'm angry. I'm angry at you. And angry at everybody else. And angry at myself. And he says, you're hungry. You know, when you're hangry, then you're really bad. That's, I was like spiritually hangry. It's not good. And I'm like, all right, what do I got to do? And he says, you got to listen to me every single day. Just like Jesus told Satan, literally, when he was tempted for the 40 days, and Satan came to him and said, turn those rocks into bread. And Jesus said, man shall not live on bread alone, but out of every word of the mouth of God. It was like time to shift and start feeding on God's word. And I remember I set the alarm clock on my phone every afternoon, and it would say appointment with God. And I, and I thought, I wouldn't miss an appointment with my eye doctor, so I'm not going to miss my appointment with God. And every day, in the beginning, I set my alarm for 15 minutes. 
for 15 minutes, I would pray and then read my Bible. Remember the first time I prayed, I wrote down every, all my prayers. I, 30 seconds went by. I looked at the clock. I was like, 30 seconds? I said everything I could think of. Only 30 seconds went by, and I thought, well, I'll read my Bible for the rest of the 15 minutes. And every day for 15 minutes, I started in Matthew, and I read through Matthew, I read through Mark, I read through Luke, I read through John. And yeah, I had read it before, but all of a sudden there was something new about it. All of a sudden there was something more. All of a sudden my spirit, which was hungry, began to change, and all of a sudden I was satisfied. It probably took a good year. I remember about a year after I started doing this and being very aware we were out to dinner with another couple, and somehow I got on the topic, and I said, yeah, I used to be really angry all the time. And Todd spoke up, and he says, oh, yeah, she was. And all of a sudden, I looked over at him. I'm like, you've noticed a difference? You haven't said anything. He goes, I didn't want to jinx it. He's like, I wasn't going to bring it up. I wasn't going to say anything. He's like, but I noticed a difference. I, I would say I'm not 100% like a perfect wife, right? Like there's times where I'm still getting angry, Right? When you feed on God's word and your lamp is full, it doesn't mean that you never go through bad moments. But I tell you what, it began to fill me with something I didn't have before. And the more I've talked to people and the more that people have looked at God's word, the more of them that make it a priority that on a regular basis they get into God's word. Now for me, being a mom... It was times on the weekends where the kids had to be here and there and everything going on where I didn't sit for 15 minutes and read my Bible. But because I was doing it Monday through Thursday or Monday through Friday, it was enough to get me through that week. Now, some of you, it's the opposite, right? For some of you, it's like maybe you work 40 hours a week and then after school, you got the kids got this and they got this. And maybe it's going to be every Saturday and Sunday you sit down and maybe you don't spend 15 minutes. Maybe you spend 30 minutes because you only have two days a week, right? For some of you, it's going to be in the car. I began listening to God's word in the car. It just began to fill me to the point where it's like, okay, now my oil is overflowing. Now all of a sudden the light is shining stronger in dark places. And I began listening to it in the car. Wesley's heard this before, but it was just so cute. He was probably three or four years old, and I'm on the way to preschool. And in one of the places in the Gospels, Jesus is talking to the disciples and he goes, unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you cannot be, be with me. And I hear this little cute little three-year-old voice in the back seat going, Ew, that's gross. And I didn't think he had been listening. And I said, and I paused my, you know, paused the little CD I had in. And I said, what's gross, buddy? He goes, do I really have to drink his blood? <laughs> I was like, I'm like, well, he's, it's symbolic. When we have communion, we drink grape juice, and it represents the blood that was shed for us. Ew, right? Like, you know, a three-year-old trying to comprehend. And it dawned on me that now all of a sudden my kids are seeing that I'm getting into God's word. About that time I got them their, the action Bibles, and I know Matthew read it from cover to cover. Now, I know now that he's got this word, he's got this foundation in him. But I tell you what, as a 22-year-old, are you 22 now? I don't know, I don't keep track. As a 22-year-old, because it just means I'm old, right? Like, no, I had him when I was 12, folks. I did not, but my 22-year-old read God's word 10 years ago. 
there's some foundation in here, and that's some moral compass to keep him on a straight path. But unless he's feeding on God's word this week, because think about it. If I have a car that's 10 years old and I say, well, I put gas in on the day I bought it, is that car going to go anywhere today, 10 years later, if I've not put gas in it again? We all know the answer is no. You've got to put that gas in on a regular basis. So just like the wise virgins and the foolish virgins needed to get that oil before they needed it, you have to put gas in your car before you go on your trip. And you need to put God's word deep down in your heart before that storm comes, before the dark of night comes. Otherwise, your hunger pains come out as anger or as depression or as anxiety or all these different things. I remember reading this book, and it was called Choose Happiness. And I thought, okay, I'm going to read this because I've been so angry lately. You know what that book told me to do? It told me to read God's word. They said, by choosing happiness, you are choosing to put Jesus down in your heart and let God's word fill you up with joy. Now, you might see the problem is we don't understand the connection. What in the world does God's word have to do with joy? But until you begin reading it, until you begin letting it, it's, it's, it's a living thing. It says that, you know, earth, heaven and earth will pass away, but my word will be here forever. There is power in God's word. There's power in what Jesus taught us. There's power in knowing that the God of the universe took time to love the woman at the well. The woman that had been married five times and was living with a guy. If he could take time to sit there and talk to her and say, I am the Messiah, and if you only asked, I would give you living water and it would bubble up inside of you and you would never thirst again. If he would do that for her, he'll do that for me. So the next time Satan would whisper in my ear and say, oh, you can't do that. God's going to be mad at you. I'd be like, whatever. There ain't nothing I can do that can separate me from God's love. That's in there too. That's a verse. There's nothing that can separate you from God's love. Let me pray for all of you. Father God, we thank you that Jesus is enough. And we thank you that you've given us the wisdom to be reminded of that and to learn how to fill ourselves up with Jesus, how to get into your word and to apply it to our lives on a regular basis. We thank you. and We praise your holy name. We ask you to remind us, even when we're busy, that we can take 10 minutes every day and make you a priority. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Well, I hope you all have a wonderful week. If you are able to stay and help us, that would be amazing. Um, Pastor Sarah will be up here for a little bit. We're going to do a few things here in the sanctuary with moving some chairs around and grabbing some tables out of her car. And then I know Todd's got a bunch of waters, cases of water in his car. So if you're able to help, that'd be wonderful. If not, no worries. Have a wonderful day, and we will see you next Sunday. God bless.